Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Made for This podcast. The conversation that you get to hear today is really special because Jenny gets to spend some time chatting with Priscilla Shire and Crystal Evans Hurst. Both Priscilla and Crystal are amazing authors and Bible teachers. and You can follow both of them on Instagram and we'll make sure to link all of their books and studies in the show notes. So wherever you're listening today, maybe you're folding some laundry, driving on the way to work, we know that this conversation will be an encouragement to you. So here you go. Here's Jenny, Priscilla, and Crystal. I mean, I am here with two queens. You guys look really stunning today considering we're in quarantine. So I'm feeling like a underdressed interview the Evans women. So, this is, hey guys. Jenny, this is my one day of getting dressed this whole month, honey. So okay. Don't you worry. <laughs> picked you on the wrong day. All right. So I am so excited to get to discuss this with you today because honestly, it has been something I've wondered about behind the scenes for you know, ever since I've known both of you, which has been a long time now. So I think we met in a Lifeway hallway. I think I got to meet both of you and hug both of you and be blessed by both of you. And then just watching your lives, meeting your brothers, seeing the legacy both offline and, and behind the scenes and also online of your lives. There are some special parents that raised all of you. And so we get to talk about them today. And just what did it look like growing up in your house? And so I want to just start with kind of the obvious thing, which is that you all just recently had to say goodbye for now to your mom and how hard that must be. And rather than make you both cry from the get-go, I just I want to honor her and just say that's the context, just in case you're listening and didn't know, that's the context that we're recording this. But why don't we start with just how you guys grew up? And I want to hear from each of you what's your feeling about how they did. Like were you thinking to yourself when you were little? I want you to go back to your kid self and like 11, let's just go with 11 because that's like a number where you're kind of becoming your own person, 11, 12. Did you think, hey, my parents are killing it. Like, I have great parents. They're doing a great job. Well, I mean, I, if I can fudge on the age a little bit, I remember thinking that at 10, for my 10th birthday party, I wanted to do things for my birthday party that my parents didn't want me to do. I wanted to dance. I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to <laughs> DJ. I wanted all these things. And my parents were like, no, we're not going to do that. And they were like, you're going to have your friends come over. And we're going to play games. I was like, games? That's whack. Like, who wants to play games? <laughs> so, um, but I remember I got my, my hair pressed, got a nice heated piece of iron run through my hair, and I could shake my hair, and I thought I was a cute Come on, pressed hair. Listen, pressed hair. <laughs> and so, um, and it didn't last but a day. But anyway, that day, my dad had us outside playing these games. And as a prissy little girl thinking that's not what my friends wanted to do, at the end, my friends were like, that was the best birthday. Oh, I remember yeah. thinking my parents put, they did it. I didn't think that they could have an event for me that would actually have people talking about my birthday party. I thought it was going to be corny <laughs> and whack. And um, so I remember thinking around that age, while wow, my parents go all out for me and they do wow. a good job. Like I remember thinking that at 10, I wasn't thinking mm. that at 13, you know? Things change when I was sure. That's why I had to get before. I know. <laughs> but I it's know how that goes. Yep. What about you, Priscilla? 
Um, you know, similar. I think that you don't realize that your parents were really doing the thing till you were a parent yourself. And then you realize, oh, <laughs> this wasn't normal. Every family wasn't like this. And the intentionality that they had to have mm -hmm. and consistency and discipline to just keep on showing up to doing the things. So it's not something I appreciated as much in the moment the discipline, the restrictions sometimes that to us seemed unreasonable. Cause like we couldn't watch right. TV during the week. We just didn't have a lot of the freedoms that some of our friends did. And so at the time, that's just, wow. Oh, yeah. You're just like, are you kidding? But did now, you ever, did you ever have to like call your mom from a sleepover and say like, come pick me up. Cause they're watching a bad movie. Like what, what was it? How strict well, we couldn't, did y'all play by the rules? Okay. You couldn't sleep over. Okay. So no, tell us some were, of that. There's a, one or two friends. There are lifetime friends that I still have to this day. Jada Edwards, who I know, you know, and Nicole is my other friend's name. And they were the only two homes, my entire upbringing that my mom would let me go to. Or and they thought up. Jada was a good influence. They thought Jada was <laughs> That surprises yeah. me. <laughs> but I will tell you what I do appreciate and remember appreciating about my parents is their house was the house everybody wanted to go to. Mm. So mom made a place for them. Aww. There was always food and that good red Kool-Aid and basketball going on outside and, and yeah. stuff happening. And so people would come over, our whole youth group or the kids in the neighborhood. So our mm -hmm. parents did do that. And in the moment, I remember recognizing this is where my friends want to be. But did you feel angry at all or resentful as you were growing up that they were protecting you from so much yeah yeah totally didn't you crystal oh yeah they were just the fun stoppers <laughs> but what teenager doesn't think that you know what i mean, I mean what title for parents any kind of family doesn't think yeah, that i couldn't right. watch that movie everybody was going to this party i couldn't go you know all of these different things and and you know i but i remember waking up to them being right slowly. I remember there was a party mm. that I wanted, the basketball game, and I wanted to ride there with a girl. My mom said I was probably 16 at the time. She looked at me, and after all these no's, she looked at me and she said, well, what do you think? Should you go? And I was thinking, you're going to let me decide? I said, well, what do you think I should do? And she said, mm. you know, I'll let you decide. I don't feel good about it, but I'll let you decide. Wow. And the next morning, I found out that that girl got in a fight, and I would have been <laughs> Well, that means you decided right too. I mean, I decided to listen to her, you know, to yeah. hear her. And I, so gradually I started realizing yeah. maybe I should listen to them. But in mm. the middle there, they were just whack and in the way and mm. totally not understanding my life and all that. So let's talk about their faith. How did they love Jesus the way they love Jesus? Because I think of both of their lives. And that would be the one thing that would be very clear about both of their, their lives. Well, they, they, you know, I will say this. I mean, there honestly, there are many layers of ways I could answer that question. My parents were not perfect parents. I'm saying that because they would say that. They were not perfect parents at all. There are things they would have done differently. They've told us, you know, ways they would have navigated raising us a little bit differently. But they weren't intentional and they were, they had integrity. So I guess of all the layers, I would say, the way we saw them love Jesus was that loving Jesus and having a personal relationship with him was totally different than ministry. Mm. Ministry was an outpouring of that. So we didn't see them turning on Good. when it was time for ministry. And then they were a whole different person at home. They were exactly the same. Like <laughs> my dad, of course, didn't preach to us like that, but we had family devotions as if that was the most important thing he had to do today. Mm. So we would, we would have dinner and sit around the table. That was another thing I found out later. My mom was, and dad decided we were going to eat dinner together. You know, it didn't happen every night, 
But most nights, mom actually cooked something and we sat around the table. And I know now they've told us that was a, a decision on their part because mm. they knew around the table was when they were going to have our attention. We were going to have their attention, attention uninterrupted. And, and they would have a devotional around the table with us. Mm. In other words, they loved the Lord and loved his word when there was no audience and no pulpit and no microphone. And mm. that was the first thing that sort of taught me that ministry is what ministry is, but that's supposed to be different than me actually living in a way that honors God, loving his word and having a personal relationship with him um, in private. So tell me about times that you all made mistakes and how they handled it. Was there grace for that? Because a lot of parents are facing that with their kids and don't know what to do. Well, I think that grace, yes, but also disappointment, yes. I do think that for both of our parents, they were making an investment, yes, for the Lord's namesake, but also to see fruit. So when you put in the time and energy with your kids and they're not making good decisions, they're not maximizing their potential, they're not fulfilling what you dreamed for them, what you were dreaming of for them as you were doing all the things, spending the money, running them around, you know, doing all the, it's disappointing. You know, I've got adult kids, so I've, I've experienced some of that myself. Um, I mean, I know with me, the thing is, you know, and I wrote about it and she's still there mm-hmm. when I got yeah. pregnant and all that. So there yeah. is that and the big thing, and they were disappointed for sure, but they didn't stop loving me and parenting me in very tangible ways. But I remember in the fifth grade, when I came home and I got 10 demerits, cause I was going to a Christian school, <laughs> I got 10 demerits because I cussed on the playground. You know what I mean? I was like, and the thing was, I was a great, like I was a goody two shoes, like a rule follower. But then one day somebody made me mad and I just wanted to show her that I could say something too, you know? And so I remember coming home, like with dread in my heart, dread, because I had that pink slip that said 10 demerits. Yeah. And I walked in the door. I never felt dread. I never felt dread over my demerits. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, like I never got them. Were you proud? I just never got them. So I walked in the house and I mean, I just was like, I walked in the door and I just handed it, you know, I just gave him the pink slip and I was like, I got 10 demerits today. And he said, for what? And I was like, I said a bad word. And he was like, you did what? Like it wasn't even disbelief. It was disbelief. So I think for me a lot, when I would screw up, it was disbelief because I really tried to Mm. do the right things most of the time. And so for a little perspective, you're the oldest. And I'm the oldest. There you go. Rule follower. So, all yeah. the typical firstborn things. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I. Priscilla, I, you're a middle child. <laughs> <laughs> you rebel. <laughs> but I, I think that that's the, the thing that they dealt with things. They didn't glaze over them. They didn't not tell truth. Mm. They didn't not love tough. But I don't think we ever doubted from the fifth grade to being 19 and pregnant to being an adult woman and having challenges. I don't think I've ever doubted that they loved me because Mm -hmm. hurt disappointment and all, they just kept saying, okay, this is the truth. This is what's going on here. The questions here, the hard things, but what's next? How are we going to love you through the next steps? I want to go back to Crystal, some things we were talking about before we got on air, just with the loss of your mom. Currently, you said something really beautiful. You said, you know, she gave me, things so well that I don't miss her because I need her. Like she raised, she grew me up. Like she gave me what I needed so that I could live without her one day. I thought that was beautiful. Talk a little bit, Priscilla, about how you're feeling right now in this season. You know, pretty, pretty much the same. I would say that mom did the thing. 
I mean, I have a friend named Tammy Franklin. Crystal, I feel the same way about Tammy and her children. Like, I've, we've watched Timmy, Tammy. Tammy's children are just like college age, coming out of college, newly married, that age. And I looked at Tammy the other day and I said, girl, you did that thing. I mean, she was fully invested while her kids were at home. That's how mom was with us. So she was all up in our lives supporting us, encouraging us, disciplining us, all of the things. And so I do feel a sense of, while I wish I had more time with her now, um, you know, in my 40s to just kind of be with my mama and, and be with her in this next season, I don't feel like, like Crystal said, it's because I'm, I'm missing a bunch. I, I just feel like it's because I long for it, but not because she didn't do what she should mm. have done or could have done. So in that way, emotionally, I feel, I was just talking to somebody about this today. I think I feel a bit numb and I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I think that's the way I feel. You know, I, I, I think it's because we've had so many things happen all at once. So it's been this quick succession of really hard, devastating circumstances and then surgery for me. And now, yeah. honestly, the, the corona right. you know, virus situation that's hit all right. of us on top of the, the issues we've already mm. been having. So I think I feel a little bit numb. And I'm expecting that at some point, the grieving process is going to surprise me and start. And it might be a little bit overwhelming. So I don't know yet how I'm doing with the grieving process. I haven't had time to, mm -hmm. to figure all that out. <laughs> mm -hmm. When you think about your parents right now, and, and I know you've been doing that a little bit with with her passing, just reflecting on their lives and such. Is there anything you do different? <laughs> Is there anything you think, I, yeah, I, that I do different. Anything you just walked away with and you, because they feel perfect to us on the outside, especially because they raised four awesome kids. Is there anything that you're like, you know, yeah, they did this and I would do it differently or I, we did do it differently because both of you have older kids. I mean, I think that one thing, honestly, that this season is reminding me of is, is that partially because I think about my parents, but more so because I think about how I raised my older children. And I, you know, my youngest is 11 and I have a 28 year old. And I remember when my oldest was kind of in this nine to 11 season, I remember uh, I was living with um, a really good friend and she told my friend, my mom doesn't have time for me. That's what she said to me. So I'm mindful right now as because we're home and all, you know, they're not going, even though my kids are homeschooled, they go to co-op, they're gone. My older boys are gone four days a week. So I'm conscious of us all being together and me working and me being in front of the computer or me being mm. on the phone and me saying, I can't do that right now, you know, and how that resonates or might resonate with them, even though it's for good reasons, we're all here trying to work together. I, I remember that with my older child and I'm super conscious of wanting to mm. not just be here, mm. but to be really here for them, to smile when they walk in the room, not be irritated, to let them know that I'm personally available to them, not just dutifully mm. available to them. So when I think about my parents, um, my mom and I, I think had a pretty good relationship, but as a child, I remember the duty of motherhood and I don't know that that's a bad thing um, because you can't be your kid's friends, you know, when they're 10, you know, you have to be their mother. But at the same time, and she would say this, that she was just so not even busy, just there was a lot on her plate with yeah, ministry yeah. and four kids and building um, the ch church and the external. I mean, they, there was a lot going on. And my mother helped my dad build everything. So, mm. and later on, she made room to play. 
I think what I want to do differently because of my experience with my parents and with my older kids is just making more room to play. My dad played with us um, while my mom was doing dishes and cleaning up the kitchen. My philosophy is we're going to all clean up the kitchen together so that we can all play. That's kind of a, a little bit of a difference from both angles of my experience. That's an awesome answer because I think with parents like yours and, and how all of you turned out, it's it's easy to be, well, they were the perfect parents and everybody watching is like, I, I'll never be that. I think that's helpful. I think about both of you and you have a really, you, you all have really strong personalities. Nobody's a weak, passive human. <laughs> wonder how that went. But how did that happen? Like, how did they build these kids that are, are really self-assured and unique in your own rights and having your own strengths and gifts and confident in yourselves, even though you all have different gifts? Well, at least in part, th this probably is true across the board, even though I'll just tell you how it flushed out for me. A lot of what became what the Lord would use in my life as an adult was getting me in trouble as a kid. So it took someone with a discerning eye, which my dad and mom had, where they would discipline me when I needed to be disciplined. But they would always point to the fact that that actual thing that just got me in trouble could be the thing that God has actually wired me for. And that's the reason why I'm prone in that way. So, you know, I would get in trouble for talking in class all the time, talking out of out of line, talking when I wasn't supposed to be talking, having the wrong tone, you know, whatever, all that in trouble. So I would have to be disciplined because I have to obey the teacher. I have to be respectful and all that stuff. But at the same time, I would always have conversations with my dad where he would say, Priscilla, I, I really feel like God has wired you for communication. Excuse my, my dog's I love it. We're at home. So I, I, I think hearing him say, you know, yeah, we got to get this thing refined. But yeah. I don't think you should throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that there's mm -hmm. a reason why communication comes so naturally to you. And uh, so that's something I remember about my parents that I do think about a lot with my kids. You know, when I get discouraged because they've made a poor choice or they've done something that I'm just like, are you serious? I, I try to think, but how can I look in what they're doing and try to figure out if there's some wiring in there or a thread in there that actually shows me something about them that I can reinforced to them is mm. something God has given them specifically for what he may be calling them to do. In this month, what we're talking about really is just toxic thought patterns for our kids. Y'all know I wrote, get out of your head. And, and the number one question I get is, how do I help my kid? Because a parent sees something different in their kid even than sometimes we see in ourselves. And so when you think about how your parents really shepherded you, even just mentally, to not be fearful, to not have anxiety, to move forward, even if you do have fear and anxiety, what would you say was the most helpful thing that they did to help you process your emotion and your thoughts? Let me talk. And I say that because as you were saying, help my kids. I have, you know, like I said, five kids. And my biggest challenge, my question with that always came with my kids who wouldn't talk. In fact, one in particular, I mean, we, we have worked really hard to give him spaces where he can talk to encourage him to talk because I think that a lot of times the scariest part, the most toxic part of our thoughts is them just swirling around on the inside That's and right. not going anywhere, you know, to get them outside of yourself so that their objective 
and that somebody who is wise, who's mature, who is spiritually for you can call out truth where you may not see it because you're so used to ruminating on a lie. And so with my dad, I remember hours, hours. In fact, he just reminded me about this the other day. He said, I spent, he still says it. I spent hours with you, just me going round and round yeah. and round with all, I mean, and it's a thing with my family. They're like, Crystal was a little, you know, to the side with emotionally, but my dad, he was patient, listened, and he helped me to reframe. And I really, really believe that that, I mean, basically I just, my dad was my counselor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He let me talk to him and cry and not make sense and was patient. And he listened and kept speaking truth to me. I think being available to listen to your kids, you don't have to fix it all the time. You don't have to solve it. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to be right and they're wrong. You just need, they just need to know first and foremost, that their feelings are valid that you are there to, whilst you're going to speak truth, you are not going to judge them or to rail them for what is a very real thing in their head and in their hearts. I think half of the battle, more than half of the battle with our kids is being there, being there, Mm. trying to fix it and give a quick fix, but being there. Um, One of the best advice I got from a mother of seven years ago, because I'm like, what, seven? She said, I would go to each one of their rooms. They had a, a night, I think every two weeks, she would kind of cycle through all of her kids. She would go sit at the edge of their bed and rub their feet. She would ask them a question. How was your day today? What's going on? And she said, when they're teenagers, they don't want to talk. But she kept going because you know that she was tempted to think, this doesn't mean, you know, they don't even right. want to talk to me. But she kept going. And she said, the thing is, they knew I was coming. And when they needed to talk to me, I was there. They could depend on me being there. And when they decided to talk, I was there to listen, to receive, and when appropriate, to give counsel or guidance. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing is being there and letting them talk. Mm -hmm. I will say that is one takeaway I've had from both of you, friendship with you. I remember, Priscilla, when I was just starting, you were making some pretty hard decisions to be home with your kids. And I remember watching it, even from a distance, and thinking, I want to make decisions like that. Can you talk a little bit about how you've juggled ministry and family? Because it's attention. It's another question I get a lot. Oh, yeah. And and the truth is, you know, specific to us as ministry, but the truth is every mom is having to juggle right. that in some sense who maybe has other things that steal their attention, whether it's work or whether it's just other involvements that they have. Right. Um, so it's certainly not an easy thing. And the hardest thing about it is as soon as you figure, feel like you have it figured out, a new year comes into play and everything changes. The dynamics of all your kids' right. lives change and the activities they're involved in change. So it's one of those things that I'm still trying to figure out as well. But actually, my sister is one of the people, actually probably the main person, who gave me the freedom, Jenny, in those years when my children were younger to remember that I could have an unconventional looking family, Mm, that it was, that there was not a model that it had to look like in order to be considered right, that we needed to just do what worked for us. So, you know, when they were little, which was about, you know, at the time I met you and my kids were like, you know, eight, seven, two, all that stuff. That's when we were just, I was going, what works for me in the sense that it seemed very clear to me and Jerry that ministry was for us. And I struggled because in my mind, I was supposed to be what my mom was, stayed home, period. That's, that is what my mother did. So I thought that's, that's what I intended to do. That was my mm-hmm. plan. 
I was excited about that plan. Um, and that, that's just what I was going to do. But then it, it just kept becoming more and more clear to Jerry that, that there was something else that God had in mind. He kind of gave us an answer because I was praying like, Lord, how am I supposed to do this? And about the time I was praying that, my mother-in-law, who at the time had been in Alabama taking care of her mother, she moved mm -hmm. back to Dallas and moved like five minutes away and wanted to travel with us and wanted to be home with us and wanted to just be all up in our lives. And it was like the Lord's way of saying, I got this, just do what I've called you to do and I've got this. But I knew, like Crystal saying, I needed to be there. Even with the help of my mother-in-law, I needed to be available to my children. So I just figured, I was just like, what does that look like? And to me, the adventure that they would get to go on if they sort of came with us doing what it is that we felt like God had called us to do, to being able to travel the way we were have been able to travel because of the invitations to ministry, being able to set my children up so that they could serve. They, Jenny, my children have always had to serve at every church we go to. Mm. So they can go to one session or go to one service. And in the next service, we've called ahead of time and told them, the folks at the church, please have jobs for our kids. Doesn't matter if they're cleaning the bathroom, passing out programs, helping take offering. I don't care what they're doing. They need to serve. So I was like, what a gift for all those years that mm -hmm. we homeschooled for our kids to just sort of come with us and do it. And for the purpose, like Crystal just said, for the purpose of us being in their life, their being in our life, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done ministry at least the way we have done it. I would not have done it if I'd have to had to leave my children home to do it. I wouldn't mm. have done it. I know. I, I hear you. My my problem is I like them. You know, I know that's not everybody's story, but I'm like, I like my kids. Like I don't want to be gone. I want to be with them because I like them. Okay, last question, and both of you can answer this one. I want to hear you speak to the women that are overwhelmed, that are sitting there right now in the midst of this season, and they are homeschooling for the first time. I know both of you have done that and, and can identify with that. Just that woman that is just, I'm going to pull my hair out. What would you, what, what, what pep talk would you give them? Yeah, Crystal, what pep talk would you give us? <laughs> Because that's not us. We're not overwhelmed. You and I, were, we were talking about this earlier today. There, we just have to figure out what we're not going to do. Yep. You have to figure out what you're not going to do. Listen, if all of your life you have prided yourself on a beautifully decorated dinner table with everything in a beautiful bowl, if this is the season where you need to go get those Dixie plates and so, you know, litter the earth just for this season so that you can have some sanity, so be it. So be it. Uh, I mean, I think, Jenny, you and I were saying Hot Pockets didn't kill us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hot pockets, Twinkies, y'all. Twinkies didn't kill us. Like how we survived Twinkies, ding, -dong. ding dongs. <laughs> so Miracle. I think you have to figure out what you're not gonna do. I, I literally, you know, I still am homeschooling my kids. Have been for years, but you know, of all subjects, Bible and history, and we've done Bible as a family, but the school Bible is what my youngest son has not done for two weeks. And I'm just like, do the math, do the, you know, we're just, it'll be all right. I think you just have to say. I'm only one person. I'm in a new season. This is not what I thought my life was going to look like right now. I've never done this before. And you have to learn what it looks like to both give yourself grace, give your spouse grace if you're married, and give your kids grace because they probably haven't done this before either. A little baby yeah. learning how to walk, you don't slam them when they fall down. You, give, you encourage yeah. them and you say, come on, keep walking because you know they're learning. Well, mm -hmm. you're learning. Your kids are learning. Your spouse is learning. Give yourself grace and figure out what you don't have to do and just do your best at the things you can right now. You know, I really would just, just echo that, that we just have to figure out what we're not going to do. 
and then be okay with that and, and give ourselves a break. We just give everybody else a break, but never ourselves. I, I think part of that, if I could just layer on top of what Crystal just said, a part of that is adjusting your expectations to your reality. We don't even realize, I, I think, sometimes we don't realize we even had expectations until they're not met. And then we're so disappointed that our family dynamic is actually different than we expected. And, and I will admit, well, probably for a lot of people, we we feel like our family dynamic is going to be like the one we were raised in, particularly if it were health, if it was healthy, then we have a picture of, of what it's going to look like. But then you marry somebody who doesn't have that same picture <laughs> and it doesn't make their picture wrong. It's just different than your picture. So my husband and his siblings, they are very healthy, well-adjusted adults who love the Lord and are kind and compassionate and amazing. And his mom, did it completely differently. Their dad was not even there. Okay. They didn't sit around the table and have dinner and have devotions and kumbaya because they were all trying to work to put food on the table. So they didn't do all that. They had a lot of time alone. They didn't have like dedicated family time because the mom, Miss Mary, my mother-in-law, granny is what we call her. She was working all the time to try to keep food on the table and that sort of thing. So my idea of, well, we need to sit around the table for dinner every night and we need to have devotions together and you're supposed to leave because you're the man. And you know, <laughs> all the stuff is the way I was raised. Right. It's unfair right. for me to bring Super that expectation helpful. in and say, it has to be this way or it's wrong. No, mm. I need to adjust, not lower. I'm adjusting my expectation to the dynamic that I live in. I, I thought my children, I wanted my house and still do. And we have that some in some ways. But I want my house to be where all of my boys' friends wants to come over, want to come over. But it turns out two of my boys are wired exactly like my husband, which means they're a little bit antisocial and don't <laughs> want all their friends to come over. This is devastating to me. <laughs> You're like inviting people that they don't even know. Like, just come over. <laughs> they're not even our friends. Why are they here? <laughs> so I can either force this square, right. you know, form into this circle, you know, environment we have, or I can adjust and say, here's actually the Lord knew how my kids were going to be wired. Mm -hmm. He knew the dad they were that they were going to have, who is a good father, but does it differently than me. So I either can adjust and relax and enjoy it the way it is, or I can make myself frustrated trying to force it to become yeah. something that was the way I was raised. But it doesn't mean that that has to be the exact way my kids were raised. And they're not going to necessarily suffer for that. It's just mm -hmm. different. It's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Adjusting expectations yeah. and releasing that a little bit. That is super helpful. And especially talking about people like the Evans in this interview, just grace upon grace that everybody's going to do it in their way. And I do believe people ask me about now that my kids are getting older, like, what did you do right? Or what did you do wrong? And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, praise God, they still like us and they like God. Like that is our big win. And if you can kind of just keep that as the goal and not, you know, because we weren't those parents that could, I'm a seven, I'm off the charts. Like we're not eating dinner at the table every night and sometimes driving through. Like I'm just, that's super helpful to me. <laughs> I, I really believe that you two are some of the greatest fruit of their legacy. I know those boys are too. I just don't know them as well. And I know that they're so proud of you guys. Thanks so much for being part of this and encouraging everybody else. I know it really helped me. Jenny, and Love Jenny, you girls. Jenny well, we just yes. want you to know that we celebrate you. We The, the, the example that you are, not only to women who are 
in ministry and love the Word of God and have decided to live it out in full in their life. Not only that, but as a wife, as a mother, the way you celebrate your husband, the way you celebrate your children, we salute you because you are an example to so many of us about what it looks like to love God and be a woman whose heart is sold out for Him in every area of life. So thank you. Thank you, friend. Hey, before you turn this episode off, I want to make sure you didn't miss this. Jenny made a huge announcement about a 15-year dream in the making that is finally coming real, and we want you to be a part of it. If you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, a teacher, if you just work with kids, you will want to go right now to theolaby.com. It's T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y.com. Drop your email in because coming in June 2020 are tools and resources that are going to help you give the kids in your life a big view of God. And we don't want you to miss it. So head over there to theology.com so you don't miss a single update.